Thank you for not pulling Dave McCann I, and leaving me I hanging and singing it myself. I love duets. All right, I appreciate that. I'm going to eat a lot and um, eat a have for a lot me. of fun. I love yeah. churros. I'll take a picture of the churros and send it to you guys. There we go. That's what we like. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. And joining us now, who I'm sure loves a duet now and then, is the head coach of the BYU Cougars. He is Kalani Satake, joining us in Studio B. Coach, it's good to see you. Good to see you guys. I, I almost joined in. Oh, you should have. A little, a need trio? a little bit of bass. There we go. Yeah, Could have done that. That would have been bad we, timing. <laughs> we, we need more practice next year. Yeah, time. see, he doesn't, have the, he doesn't have the music in his ear, so he didn't, he didn't know when it started. Otherwise, he probably would have uh, joined in. Let's get to the real question. Uh, the poll question today was uh, with, with Spencer at the Masters, Jerem at Disneyland. You have the choice of going to Augusta or Anaheim. Which are you choosing? Well, I mean, my family and I were going to Disney on Friday, so. <laughs> so you actually are going to Disney. Yeah, we decided to do a quick Disney trip. Um, it's spring break, and so, uh, yeah, that's where we're headed. But uh, I don't think you can go wrong either way. To me, it's all about food. And I heard the food's really <laughs> oh, good at Augusta, yeah. and it's yeah. really good at Disney, so can't complain. And uh, I, I think the, the perfect week would be going to Disney the first week and then end the end of the week at Augusta. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Have you ever been to Augusta, by the way? No, I, but I heard the food's great. Yes. That's all I care about. I mean, <laughs> it, you know, I mean I'd love to see Tony play and, and Mike and, and, uh, and, uh, and Tiger, obviously. But, yeah, I, I heard the uh, egg salad sandwich is really good and mm. stuff like that. I'm, I like weird stuff. That's why the, you'll see me at Disney and BYU fans, if you see me this weekend, I'll probably have a drumstick and a corn dog. A little turkey leg. You, mm-hmm. you get into the churros? Yeah, sometimes. Oh, that's my favorite. The yeah. churros are my yeah. favorites. Yeah. yeah, I'm more about the, 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 the protein and the carbs. There you go. <laughs> churros are carbs, so maybe I'll give it a shot. Good balance. Go. Good yeah. balance. Yeah. Once you throw the kids in the mix, it changes everything, right? You, you have yeah. to think about the kids and how they light up with the magic. That's where I'm at. I've got five kids and, and going there. So for your kids, how much do they enjoy Disneyland? Yeah, they love it. And, and you know, we have a, a, an incoming baby in July, and so it's the last chance to go on. Uh, you know, after this, after this uh, in July, the, the ride's going to be changed a little bit. And yep. probably, I'm, I'm probably around that age, and my wife and I had to go on the teacups a little bit more after this. Oh but, my uh, Don't but, take her now. Don't no, no, now. I mean, yeah. I'm going to be the one that has to go on these crazy rides that, <laughs> yep. you know, but... Uh, it's it's for the kids and and I, I'm really excited that this week, our staff gets to hang out with their with their families uh, during spring break and really really enjoy the you know so far we're we're midway but I'm really excited for the rest of the weekend and, and just enjoy the time with my family. Well, and you guys wrapped up spring football, wrapped it up by all accounts, it was a success. You guys had the alumni game, which is still being talked about, is just an unbelievable experience. What are your overall thoughts on spring football now that you've had a little bit of time to digest it? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm really happy with with our, our team and where we're at right now. And, and uh, I think uh, the excitement is that spring ball is over with, which means we're that much closer to to the game and to the season. So, uh, you know, we, we we improved in a lot of areas and, um, I, I saw a team start start to grasp its identity, see the leadership forming, and and uh, really pleased with our coaches and our players and the way they approach spring. And then, you know, to end it with the alumni game was amazing. And we're we're trying to find ways to make it even better next time. And 
the the alumni they promised me that they would be better next year. So <laughs> I, I don't I don't know. I think maybe there's a way that you know what's interesting is we knew that it would be um, a lot of fun, but we didn't know it was going to be as competitive. But that's what happens when you get BYU fans into the stadium, and you bring these guys that have played on on that field. The competitiveness just takes over. I know. Soccer does something that's similar where they play the alumni st- alumni game. And so we're, um, we want to see how we can improve, make this uh, even better than what it is. And maybe our current players want to be a part of it too. So we'll see if we can uh, you know, make, the, make the best of all of it and try to make it an even better experience for everybody. I really liked what you said in talking about all of these alumni feeling like they have a home and they're welcome here and don't feel out of place. Uh, but the one thing that stood out to me is when you talked about recruiting and how they can help you with recruiting. Mm-hmm. Explain that a little bit more. Well, I think that when you graduate, nobody tells you what the game plan is. And so I thought, well, it might be good because I, you know, I graduated and then it felt a little awkward. And sure. when I graduated, it was Lavelle's last year. And so all of a sudden it's a new regime and you didn't know how to approach alumni events or even games. And so and you go through this a little bit of withdrawal, not being able to be on the field. And so um, this highly competitive person, I mean, myself and other alumni, did. there's still something that they want to compete with. And, and I think um, what's better than telling your own story, uh, your experiences at BYU, and the growth that you made from a young person into an adult. And, um, and we have a great retention rate with, with uh, recruits that come on campus when they meet our, our current players and they meet the fans. And so um, there, there's these walking testimonials that are out there in the world, and um, let's get them involved. And so I think easy, the easy thing to say, hey, we still need you. We want you to be involved in everything that we do. And they, uh, I think there's a, there's a good chance for us to collaborate and get ideas from alumni and then see how we can Im- improve recruiting. With the transfer portal uh, happening, and, and it seems to be uh, very popular, it would be very important for us to get it right the first time so we don't have to lean on the transfer portal to – uh, to fill out our roster. Let's focus on some specifics of spring football. Let's start on the offensive side. Uh, overall thoughts on how Jaron played uh, and then just the offense in general. Yeah, uh, Jaron was extremely f- efficient. Uh, we know that he, he makes good decisions when he, when he has the, the football in his hands. And, uh, you know, we saw a lot of that in the spring. But what I like about um, him being able to see how uh, Zach played is that uh, he knows when to take some chances. And in practice, that's where I want to see all the mistakes. And so I, I don't really worry about mistakes being made in practices. If, you, if you're able to see any of our practices, you'll probably say, well, man, there's a lot of mistakes everywhere. Exactly. That's where you're supposed to make the mistakes. And I'd rather them show up in practice than they, than they will in the games on Saturdays. But with Jaron, he's so extra careful with the ball that um, he's not making the first-time throw in a game. He's done that many times. And and he's 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 given it a shot and tried different things, and that's a, a little bit of what Zach did for us. Was Zach tried all these quirky throws and these weird plays, and um, Jaron is just is right in line with him. I, I think these quarterbacks they're they're a different breed, you know. So I uh, they they want to be able to make decisions and and find different ways to do things. And uh, Jaron's starting to really come into his own and 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 make that offense his, and so. Uh, that's taken taken place, and you have Jacob Conover that's seeing it, Kate Finnegan, Nick Phillips, and, and Sojay. All those guys are doing a great job, and and I, I can um, you know probably give a lot of all, all the credit to A Rod. He's done a great job managing the offense and especially running that quarterback room. 
As you look at the other side of the ball and your defense, what did you like? What you saw this spring and how they're looking? Yeah, a young group, and you know we had a we were hit by a bunch of injuries last year. But the the benefit and the positive part about it is that they were able to just kind of get their feet wet with with the experience. So we have a lot of experience returning, um, and then when those injured guys become healthy, we're going to be a really good team. And and then it helps going against a really good offense every day, uh, specifically at, at the line of scrimmage. So our what better way to get our D-line ready than to have them go against some big behemoths up front? And um, the competition itself should make us better. Talking with the head football coach of the BYU Cougars, Kalani Satake here on BYU Sports Nation. So when spring ends, what's the ask of the players? What do you ask of them over the next couple of months before things start ramping back up when we get closer to fall camp? Well, we give them time off. I mean, that, that's the NCAA allows you to have a certain amount of time that you can require them to be here to work out. Um, and so we'll give them most of April off to, to focus on finals and then figure out some things on, on what they want to do, um, you know, individually. And uh, all our guys are still in town. They're still working out every day. Um, but it gets them to focus on some specialized training if they want to do that. Uh, our our coaches aren't allowed to meet with them and or, or to to train them, but... Um, it gives them a chance to train themselves and, and be around each other. The, the peer-to-peer learning is something that's really part of our, our culture, and, and, and that's a big part of why our guys are able to retain information and really become better is that their, their expectations and the standards set by their, their peers and their, their teammates. Where do you hope to see the biggest improvement in this team? As you look at 2021, what you were able to do, a, success, a successful season, and then now to the fall of 2022, where do you hope the biggest improvement will be made? You know, we had um, Coach Andy Reid with us a couple weeks ago for the the coaches' clinic, and he was able to spend some time with the players and the team, and and really focus on on uh, what allows you to be your best self. And uh, he gave us some good insight. And I think for for us, for me, I just want to see our guys stay humble and keep working hard. You know, and not worry about uh, anything. There's 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 a goal in 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 their mind that they want to accomplish, and uh, to not allow any distractions get in the way. And that's that's the um, feedback they got from Coach Reed, so uh, it makes sense to, to keep. I'm gonna double down on that. The guys, one of the best coaches in, in the game today, and 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 so we're gonna definitely do what we can to to follow suit and give the, the recommendation that he gave to our players. I want to make sure that we keep emphasizing that. Speaking of alumni, I mean, obviously, you know, Coach Reed is one of the best ever to be in the NFL head coach, Super Bowl, is going to go into the Hall of Fame. You've mentioned how you, you obviously have a direct line to him. What, what, is, what is that like, not only to hear about his love for BYU and how much he promotes it, but to be able to pick his brain if you ever need it? Yeah, I really enjoy that, that relationship that, that he's been so open just to, hey, whatever you need. I, I, I want to make sure to respect it still. And, and you know, I, I think i um, try to keep it as professional as possible. But... Um, Lavelle's not around anymore, and, and he's he's the closest thing to Lavelle that I know. And and um, but I, I've been able to you know to reach out to a lot of people that have been that are that love BYU, and not just specific to football. I, I think there's a there's a good number of people and alumni and that love BYU, and and uh, I'd be crazy not to dip into those to that that talent and that expertise, you know, to help me out. And so there's a lot of correlation from their leadership and whatever, whether there's companies that they're running or what they're doing in their professional life that carries over could really help me, and I'm trying to learn as much as I can. All right, you mentioned Disneyland. That's what's coming up this weekend. you got a brand-new baby coming this summer. Right. What what else are you 
plan in this off season for you and your family? Well, I mean, we're really excited about about this this year and this season, and and uh, you know, I, I think the the surprise of the baby is really exciting for all of us and and for my children. And I mean, there's going to be a 12 year gap between our youngest, our son, and 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 this baby girl coming along the way. So, figuring out the name is going to be the key, and then um, and then just I mean, I'll take any any uh, name. My wife Timberly and I would would love to hear whatever ideas you guys have for names but you don't need to make a poll about it but we're just gonna hey a poll might be good though might help you more than you realize hey my daughter's maya i love the name maya so i'm gonna throw that out there okay yeah i mean the definitely not going to be named Taysom because it's a baby girl right so i know that that (laughs) that name's been really popular in the last decade but i I think the yeah we're we're just going to spend a lot of time together as a family uh i think the um and then just have them be involved in all the excitement of this season. I mean, there's we're going into the season, and everyone's talking about 23 and the Big 12, but uh, this season deserves a lot of attention and excitement. And I, I think uh, you know, getting the family involved and our coaches, our our, our staff, having their families involved. I, we're going to try to make this thing as, as family uh, family oriented, oriented as we can. Well, it's uh, 149 days away, and uh, I think I speak for everybody when I say we cannot wait for the football season to uh, to get here. Coach, thank you for stopping by. Uh, always appreciate uh, you coming by and talking some football, and enjoy Disneyland this weekend. Yeah. It's good to see you guys. Thanks, Shep. You Chris, bet. Good to see you on board. Go get that churro. I'm going to eat a lot, and um, eat a churro have for a lot me. of fun. I love yeah. the churro. <laughs> We'll, we'll be thinking about you. <laughs> okay, thanks. I'll, I'll take a picture of the churro and send it to you guys. There we go. That's what we like. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, Coach. Go that was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. It goes without saying that joining the Big 12 is a massive deal for BYU athletics, and it brings even more exposure, it brings more access, and it certainly brings increased financial flexibility. It also brings a higher level of competition across the board, and last night's win by the Jayhawks in the national championship game was yet another reminder of the latter, and it brings us to our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Dave, the new Big 12 has accounted for five Final Four teams in the last four NCAA tournaments. Yeah. It's not bad. They're pretty good. You had Kansas in 18, Texas Tech in 19, Baylor won it in 21, and last night Kansas won it again. I think uh, as as you watch it, uh, it, it's hard to imagine that that's where BYU is going. It's almost like at a semi-pro level. <laughs> You're right. Some of this Big 12 basketball. But the Big 12, unlike some P5s, is not a fixer-upper. No. They are rolling and a chance for BYU, Houston, Cincinnati, and Central Florida to step in, mix in, and, uh, and participate uh, for all four schools, especially us since we're biased for BYU, it is a game changer yes. across the board. By the way, don't think I didn't uh, get the fixer-upper with Baylor, Chip and Joe. Oh, yeah. you don't, <laughs> don't think that I thought to put that in there. As soon either. as I started sounding like, he really doesn't know the <laughs> He didn't put the two and two together. All right, so it, it begs the question then, are you more nervous or are you more excited about BYU hoops in the Big 12 after what you saw last night? Well, contrast it to what if BYU wasn't going to the Big 12? And then how would you feel? You're just going to be in the WCC chasing Gonzaga 
you'd be independent still in football and some of those other things. When you contrast what it could have been, because that's what it has been for for the last decade, to what it can be and will be, uh, it's it's uh, it's a no-brainer. It's full excitement, full ahead into this uh, into this league. You got Lagoon, you got Disneyland. <laughs> you know, Lagoon's fine when you can't get to California, but when Utahns get a vacation, where do they go? They go to Disneyland. That's where Jerem is this week. It's where Spencer was last week. So uh, it, it is the creme de la creme. It's it's uh, it's what we saw last night. It's the best in the country. Yeah, look, the answer is both. It's both exciting because you see what's possible and you see the level of competition that BYU is going to face. And it's exciting because when the the level of competition increases, then everybody wants to increase their level of play. And so so you would think that the the competition and the basketball that we'll see it, it all gets lifted up. So that reason alone, it's exciting. It's also nerve-wracking for what we mentioned in the stat of the day. All these teams, you know, the last two champions have come out of the Big 12. Obviously Kansas this year, or Kansas City, if you will, uh, and Baylor the year before. So, look, it's also pressure because yeah. you're going into a league, as we know and we've talked about, is the best college basketball league top to bottom in the country. That that means that everybody that goes in, you know every game, you're not getting a game off. Right, and, and BYU's going to lose some games. And to be honest, BYU doesn't lose very much anymore these days. Even that stat we showed the other day against the Pac-12 teams in the major sports. This year alone, BYU's 18-1-1. Their only loss was to Washington State in the NIT quarterfinals. Um, all of the sports do well for the most part. The, uh, the all-sports ranking from the fall had BYU number one in the entire country. We'll see where it averages out coming through the spring. But um, th- this is a fan base that, uh, that wins, and they enjoy winning, and they don't like losing. Well, we're going to go into a league where there's going to be a lot of losing. There'll be some winning. But how much sweeter will the winning be as BYU builds yes. and joins the middle of the league to the upper half and then takes the title? Um, that's, that's where we invest our sports interest in the future. And we're getting paid for it, at least the school is, like never before. And we'll get to that later. But, but it's, it's a win-win on all sides. But that win-win is going to avoid a lot of losses. Well, and look, I, I realize that we're talking about the on-the-court product but the one thing I think that, that BYU has as an advantage that maybe some other programs don't have or maybe haven't had in the past joint, going from you know, a non-P5 conference to a P5 conference is BYU from an athletic department has viewed itself as a P5 team and has scheduled as a P5, has done things financially as a P5. So from that aspect, BYU has already been in that mindset of a P5 athletic program. And I think that will help the Cougars in terms of making the transition a little easier. I like the slogan uh, on one of the campus entrance signs that the world is our campus. Yes. And BYU TV has helped bond alumni all over the world in a way where they can watch their teams, like WGN did for the Cubs and TBS did for the Braves. 100%. When the Cougars roll into Ames, Iowa, and all these fans show up, 
and uh, and and the Iowa State fans are going, hey, you guys travel well. Like, and the announcers will say something like that, yeah. too. And they'll go, what do we mean, travel? We're your neighbors. <laughs> we just never had a reason to come out. Right. Wear our shirts and come to a game because we don't like Iowa State. We like BYU, and now our team is here. Oh, by the way, now the 16 teams are here. And they're going to come more frequently. And then all of a sudden... Uh, the world gets smaller and smaller, and BYU's fan base grows and grows because it's already connected before we even go in to take on Goliath. Um, we go in to take on Goliath with a Goliath-like fan base, and then the fan base waits for the team to get up yeah. to Goliath-like status, and that's how you win the Big 12. You go to the college football playoff, and you take your shot against Alabama. Well, look, and, and you touched on this, and we've talked about this, and, and I hope everybody is realistic about this. There is going to be a learning curve. There is for everybody, and I'm talking about an on-the-court learn. well, and really both, but specifically an on-the-court learning curve. You know, to be able to step in day one, it's going to take some time for everything to acclimate to the higher level of competition. There are going to be some sports on campus that are going to have success faster than others. Sure. But I, I think everybody's willing to go through those because I think everybody realized that's just part of it. And a lot of people think, well, basketball is going to be the one that gets to the dance the, the latest uh, because of the high level we see of the Big 12 playing basketball because the right. season just ended. Um, but basketball, you can actually get there quicker. You need seven guys. Yeah. I mean, look at some of these teams that have turned their the, – uh, Texas Tech turned things around by getting five really good guys. Then they built on their bench, and now they built where they're good every year. But they went from down here to up here. Baylor did the same thing a few years ago. You can, get, you can turn a basketball program around with the right couple of guys, a Colin Chandler, a Dallin Hall, and, and a few other guys. Uh, football is a little longer because you've got 100 guys. However, BYU is built for P5 steps. Yeah. They should go in and compete right in the middle of the Big 12 for that. Softball, softball just swept Iowa State in their big taste of Big 12 since the announcement. They should go in going, hey, we're competing for the upper half. And on the right day, we'll beat their best team. We can win that, win that championship. Um, women's volleyball, they compete already. Yes. You know, women's basketball. They compete already. Yes. Um, so, I, yeah, it's, it's, it, we're not going to the bottom of all these things. Just the, the notion of watching Kansas win the national title <laughs> goes, that's them. We must be down here. But we can get up here uh, with the right recruiting class. And, and we'll talk to Chris Burgess about that and the portal and how that can help. Um, so, yeah, and, and Houston's probably thinking the same thing. We're not going in there to take last but we know we got to step up in some areas. Well, how many times, and this is any sport, just in the last couple of months since the announcement was made in the fall, you know, we talk with coaches. We talk, How many times have they told us we're getting doors open to players that we've never had yeah. access to before? I mean, almost every single coach we've talked to has all said something very similar to that, that just the fact, even without being in it officially, I mean, you're in it officially, but in, without playing in it yet, BYU's getting looks from potential recruits that they've never had before. It's a, it's a game changer. In many of the sports, the starters are good enough to compete head-to-head with the best in the country. It's depth where there's been an issue. When something happens to the right tackle, for example, last year, then we brought in a true freshman right tackle. That can't happen as we move into the Big 12. A, a four-star has got to replace a four-star. 
on the, on the offensive line or the defensive line or at receiver. That's what those schools do that win regularly in, on the P5 level. Utah's done a great job increasing its depth coming from the Mountain West to competing in, in the Pac-12. It took a while, but they're now deep where one guy gets hurt, they don't lose the game. Right. BYU has increased that depth. I think we're going to see it this fall like we've never seen it before. But that has to keep going. Basketball can't be we're dead because we lost our two centers. Right. There has to be more moving forward. And those are the areas where I think the coaches are firmly have a firm grasp at, at what to attack because they can get good athletes already. They just need more of them. Mike yeah. Littlewood said, I don't need new baseball players to compete. I just need more of the guys I have. Yep. For those that have uh, watched or listened to this show over the years, you know that uh, I have absolutely no problem. As soon as the football season is over, immediately looking forward to the countdown to the next first game of the season. So in that light, how about we take, even though college basketball literally ended hours ago, how about we look at Jeff Goodman's way too early top 25 for next season? So it, it brings in... Five new Big 12 teams in his way-too-early top 25. He has Houston at number two, not bad. Kansas at number seven, wow. Uh, Baylor at number 11. Texas at 15. Texas Tech at 23. So those are the, the Big 12 teams. If you're wondering where Gonzaga is in that, he's got them at number six. So that's just a very early look at what the top 25 could look like next year in college basketball. Right, and this is before the Zags go and get the best player in the right. country. And have yeah, they're just, just losing the for, number one overall pick, season. and they're going to be right back at it. And a lot of schools haven't rebuilt yet. The portal's going to change some things, but uh, the Big 12's going to be good from here on out in basketball and football and, and all that stuff. What, a, what an opportunity to be a part of it, even though it makes you nervous. I know it certainly does. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. The head coach of BYU Women's Soccer, Jennifer Rockwood, joining us here in Studio B. Coach, it's good to see you. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. It's, uh, it is our pleasure. And, uh, oh, ho-hum, another year. You lose two, you know, two of your top scores. Spring's underway, and you're 7-0-1. Oh, uh, I was telling you in the break, there are certain teams on campus I just expect to, to win every game regardless of the situation. Soccer's one of them, and here we go again. Good start to spring. Yeah, we, we you know obviously had such a fantastic fall and graduated some amazing seniors. But, you know, we returned a lot of good, experienced players, uh, returned seven starters. And what was unique about this spring season is we had seven freshmen graduate early. Just they were so excited to get on campus and start training with us. So, um, you know, they've got in eight games already as uh, new freshmen that should still be seniors in high school. So uh, that adds a lot to our development and getting ready for next fall. You're coming off a national championship match last year, a, a fun season, and just a lot of success. Losing two key players, obviously, but what, what's the expectation for next year's season and this team? 
You know, uh, every year you kind of reevaluate, but uh, we're just ready to go. I mean, we expect to win a conference championship. We expect to be back in the NCAA tournament, and I don't think there's any reason why we can't anticipate and expect to, to go as far as we did. Um, like I mentioned, we have a lot of good returning experienced players, some great leaders on our team. Um, you know, we graduated our two captains, but now we have Natalie Wells and Jamie Shepard, who, who are kind of leading the crew, but so, so much great experience. Um, we're shifting people around in some different positions, um, and they've already had a chance to play uh, in, in those positions this spring. And i just really, really looking forward to it. It's a good vibe, a lot of fun, love our new freshmen, fun personalities, tremendous soccer players, and they've just been able to fit right in. Who are some of the, the new players? Because as you mentioned, you know, there are a lot of players that were young but got experience as starters. And I honestly, I think that's one of the things that, that I admire most about what you do because it doesn't always happen this way. Even with teams that you've had a lot of veteran players on, you've mm-hmm. always found opportunities for the young players to not just get minutes but some meaningful minutes, and it's always paid off. Mm-hmm. So who are some of those players but also some of the new faces that, that fans that follow the, the soccer team should be paying attention to? Yeah, you know what we, as I mentioned, Natalie Wells, um, you know, she came off the bench for us, but we anticipate her to be taking in Grace Johnson's slot as a center back. She's our captain now, and having her and Lava on the back line, we return the rest of our back line. Um, you know, we'll have someone like a, uh, a Rachel a McCarthy who you know came off the bench for us the last two years and so scored a a lot of goals. Um, see her in the starting lineup up top, you know, trying to replace some of those goals that Cameron Tucker scored for us. And, you know, moving Jamie Shepard from our six to our 10, kind of taking over the role of Kayla Coolahan. And so she's been able to get some good experiences, a very different position um, with lots of different responsibilities. But as one of our, our top returning players, I think she'll fit right in and, and do a great job there. So... And we talk a lot with basketball and football about the jump to the Big 12. One more season to go, and then we're there, and it's coming quick. Mm -hmm. So with soccer, as you look at the key factors to help you make that jump, what are some of the things that stand out for you in this team? Yeah, well, we're fortunate to play in the WCC, which is a very good uh, conference for women's soccer, with Santa Clara winning the national championship the year before last. And three of us, us, Santa Clara and Pepperdine, finishing the top 15 this year, and as we you know, played Santa Clara in the semifinals. So um, our conference continues to get better, uh, probably top to bottom, the most competitive our conference has been. So we'll have one more year to really prepare us for that. We've got a great non-conference schedule. We always play a very nationally competitive um, non-conference schedule. So, you know, we anticipate being able to be ready for, for the Big 12 in, in 2013. And, you know, same expectations will follow us when we go into the new conference. When do you expect to have the schedule finalized and, and done to, and, you know, released? When do you expect that to be? Um, you know, that's something they're sorting out, I think, with all of the teams right mm-hmm. now. We've seen some um, kind of samples of, of how it'll work, not who will play. It doesn't seem like we'll play everybody uh, in the conference. In soccer, you usually just play, you know, home, right. home, not home and away. Um, you know, so we'll wait and see. But uh, we're just really excited for that to, to kind of play some new teams. We've played a lot of those teams in the conference right. in the past. And TCU has done the best in women's soccer the, most recently. And, you know, they're, they're old conference uh, opponents of ours from back in the Mountain West days. All right, final two matches of spring season. This weekend, you've got UVU and SUU. What do you want to see out of your team as you wrap up spring? 
Yeah, just a constant building and development. I think we've gotten better uh, with each of our weekends. We're allowed to play five days, and we've played two games, which is tough to do. But again, with the addition of new freshmen and a bigger roster, it's been great for us. Um, but uh, just just do a little bit better than what we've done this last week. We've played tough games. We've played, I think, four Pac-12 teams this spring and have had great results there. And, you know, U, uh, UVU is always a tough game for us, a lot of local girls, a rivalry that certainly goes on. Uh, we didn't get to play them this fall, so I, I think it'll be a great game. And people can come out and watch us on Saturday and see some new faces. You, uh, you are BYU women's soccer. You're an institution here on <laughs> campus, and the success obviously speaks for itself. I'm curious, as you go into your 27th season, what still drives you? Um, I think just naturally I'm a very competitive person. I'd like to win, um, like to figure out ways to win, like to certainly help our, our players find uh, – ways to be their very best and, and trying to just get the most out of your team. And, and I, I just love the challenge of uh, every season, every fall season, you know, you, you have a new group, a new group of freshmen to develop and, and welcome in. And, um, you know, as I mentioned, I'm fortunate to have some amazing young women uh, on our team. I have an unbelievable staff, uh, a lot of fun to be around. And so just enjoy my time with the team. And, and uh, you know, you work hard and you play hard. You expect to win and good things happen. We talked to football with Kalani Sataki about uh, the alumni game last week and how that was a big success. But I want to talk to you about your alumni and watching what they've been able to do. Players like Ashley Hatch and Michaela Coulihan and Cam Tucker. So you followed them throughout their careers at BYU, and you see the success. You were able to celebrate in that. And then for them to go on and do so well playing professionally, and those are just a few players that have done it. But yeah. what does that mean for the program? Um, it's just so fun to, to see uh, them go to that next level. I um, mean, certainly it, it helps our program in the sense that it kind of sets a standard that if players come in and, and have that dream and have that desire to play at the next level, then it's certainly an option for them. The exposure that they get, uh, we've proven to develop our players that are, are ready to go to the next level. Um, and so I think that does a lot for our younger players. We've also had players that are ready to play at that level and just decided not to, sure. and good for them too. But, um, you know, they're great examples for our players. It's fun. Ashley's in a, at another national camp right now getting ready for the U.S. women to play. Um, and Cam and Kayla are, are having their first experience of professional athletes. And Kayla's uh, played a lot of minutes in the games uh, so far with Orlando. And, and so, yeah, I think it just uh, opens those doors for, for future players to do that if that's something they want to do. Uh, we were asking Kalani about off-season plans now that their spring is done. Once mm -hmm. the spring season is done, what, what, what do you ask of your players as you go into the off-season, and what are you wanting to see from them before you regroup in the summer and get ready then for the season in August? Yeah, we'd like them to take a little break. We've had a, a demanding year, um, and so we want to take a little break, and they'll start up their summer workout programs in May. Um, we do a lot of summer camps, a lot of summer soccer camps, so it's a great opportunity for them to be here on campus, so working camps um, and uh, training together. So most of all the girls will be back in town, usually June and July, and so they're together working out and and training. Obviously, we can't do a lot with them, um, but because they work camps, you know, I get to be around them, and that's a lot of fun. 
uh, to be with them all summer. And then we'll get ready to start. We're usually the first team that gets going that first week of August. And uh, we get to open with North Carolina at Chapel Hill. So something to really look forward to. Absolutely. Well, okay, we've asked the question here today, and we're asking, you know, those watching Disneyland or the Masters? What would you pick? I'd have to say the Masters. I've, I've never okay. been, okay. Um, and I think that would be fantastic. I've been to Disney World uh, several times, so I, I'm going to go with the Masters. The new, okay. Going somewhere yeah. new. Right, and you you have something there. Yeah, so I just like to... Every time I come up here, I see this great picture. Oh of, my gosh! Classic of, of Greg Rebel. I think as a teenager. What, what and was I just, he there? Thirteen. I just we wanted to 13. show this so that he can, you know, say hi. Uh, Greg and I are good buddies. He travels with us, so yeah, fun oh, memories. He may be up in his office right now, cringing. <laughs> He'll be loving that, right? Yeah, he will. Love it. Coach, it's always great to see you. Thank Can't you. wait for the season to be here. Thanks for stopping by. All right, thanks, guys. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Our own Jerem Jordan tweeted the following last night after the Kansas win. Heck, says Jerem. I just want BYU to go 500 in the league. As you look at the past uh, big finishers in the Big 12, in the Big Dance, is 500 too low of an expectation for BYU when they enter the Big 12? We should note TCU and Iowa State were under 500 in the league this year. Both made the tournament. TCU won one game. Iowa State went to the Sweet 16. Look, I don't know if it's too low of an expectation. It, it may be realistic. We said there's going to be a learning curve. I think if BYU basketball can go in, and day one be middle of the pack in the Big 12, I think there's a lot of people that would take that. Steal an upset or two. That's what I like. I, I don't think that's a bad thing. No, I agree. All right, softball faces Utah today, and this season BYU is 7-1 and one against Utah in head-to-head competition in baseball, men's basketball, women's basketball, football. I think we all remember that one. Soccer, tennis, and women's volleyball. Will the domination continue tonight, Dave? I think so. Last year, they hit two home runs in the bottom of the seventh inning to steal a win from Utah here in Provo. This is a really good hitting baseball team. Pitching's got to be just right. I like Zavodnik to make the difference. And BYU get a nice win on the road as long as this rain gets out of here. Well, look, there are certain teams on campus that regardless of opponent, regardless of the venue, I just expect them to win, and softball is one of those programs. They just keep winning, so yes, I expect the domination over Utah to continue tonight. Sporting News Mock Draft has Tyler Algier going 135th to the Chiefs. Oh, yeah. Who's more excited about this prediction, Andy Reid or you? Uh, Me. The answer is me. Uh, Look, here's the thing. Andy's quota of Chiefs right now took a hit because Sorensen went to the Saints. Right. So you've got you've got one less former Cougar. So now you've got to bring in another Cougar, and I think Tyler Algier fits that bill. He does like BYU guys. He loves, and he's not afraid to even admit it. I love it. <laughs> All right. Uh, the Masters Champions Dinner menu was released. Yeah. Uh, okay. So just real quick, here's what it is. Uh, let's see. You have uh, miso glazed uh, black cod. You have uh, some of these Japanese that. strawberry shortcake at the very end. That's what piqued my interest. That sounds good. Um, if you had the opportunity to ever host this dinner, what would you put on the menu? I would go uh, steak, fries, grilled vegetables, 
ice-cold Dr. Pepper, and a chocolate shake for dessert. Oh, you went the full menu. With some junior mints on the way out there. <laughs> well, we got to have, have nice breath afterwards. Yeah. Uh, look, <laughs> I, I don't necessarily know the entire menu, but I, I know a lot of times you have, like, an option of, like, a chicken or steak. First of all, no fish. No seafood of any kind is going to be on any menu I ever do. I'm going to go with both steak and chicken. I'm all about the protein. I'm going two options of protein together. The rest, honestly, Matt, give me some mashed potatoes. That's fine. Okay. Maybe some corn. Uh, no creamed corn, but uh, some sweet corn. And look, uh, I'm, I'm a watered guy. I'd love to attend that dinner. <laughs> yeah. I hope I get it. T- so, uh, so there we go. And now I'm really, really hungry. Masters it's a good thing we're getting closer to dinner. lunchtime. We hope Mike Weir enjoys his dinner tonight. He's <laughs> a former yeah. Masters champion. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Cougar senior golfer Carson Lundell has joined us. We've had a great show today, and look, we're just going to keep the ball rolling. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. Have you been watching the Masters as a, as a collegiate golfer? How much time do you spend watching professional golf? As much as, you, as, much as I possibly can. It was kind of tough, though, yesterday because we're preparing for, right. for a tournament. So it's hard to balance watching it and, and getting, getting some work done. Is it like with basketball that uh, everyone on the golf team thinks they're going to the tour NBA and every basketball player thinks they're going to the NBA. Every football player thinks they got a shot at the NFL. Your golf team is everyone planning on a professional career, whether it happens or not. Yeah, I I think to to yeah. an extent, you know, that's everyone's dream. It's everyone's you know top goal. Um, and yeah, I mean, every, everybody dreams of playing on the PGA Tour and and playing professionally and making it a career. So as you watch the Masters this weekend, are you more of a fan or are you a student of the game and, and watching some of your favorite players studying what they're doing? Yeah, that's a great question. A little bit of both. I mean, it's it's hard not to just watch Tiger. Yeah. I mean, go yeah. to those feature groups. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, but no, it's, I mean, a, a little bit of both. You know, you love to see good shots, but you also appreciate how they're played and, you know, kind of the thought process behind those shots. When you're watching Tiger, are you studying just that? Okay, he's in the bunker. Here's how he gets out of the bunker as opposed to someone like me who's just going, hey, that's Tiger I'm watching. Yeah, yeah, actually, I, uh, I think it was during the practice round on Wednesday. Um, Tiger and JT were, were in the bunkers, and I was actually, yeah, I was, I was watching them. And actually yesterday I was like, all right, how do I, how do I be exactly like Tiger from here? <laughs> But, no, there's, there, there's a lot to learn, you know, watching the Masters and watching the best in the world do it. So, All right, let's talk about your game a little bit. Last weekend, Palo Alto, you had mm-hmm. two 66s in the first two rounds. Another top 10 finish, your fourth of the season. So how has this season been going for you? Kind of sum it up in, in how you felt about your game. Yeah, yeah. Um, to be honest, kind of the, the beginning of the year, I really struggled. And, you know, I was able to put together good scores and, um, you know, just kind of, you know, gamed it around and, but, I, but I really didn't feel comfortable, um, towards the start of this season, I've been feeling a lot better. I've been able to figure out some, some little tweaks in my swing and in my short game and, uh, at Stanford. Yeah, I played great. I played great. I, I, uh, I think I was one back going into the final round and, you know, it just comes down to the putter and I didn't make enough putts to, to, uh, you know, win, 
but it was nice to get back in contention and give myself an opportunity. This so. this picture here, you hit this one 900 yards, right? That, that, that shot? <laughs> Something like that, So yeah. you watch Tiger in the bunker on the Golf Channel. Next week on the Golf Channel, you have an opportunity to play yes. on national TV in the Western Intercollegiate. Tell us about that opportunity. Yeah, no, that's like the coolest thing ever. Um, last year, we, we were lucky enough to, to play in that tournament and, and get some good coverage on the Golf Channel. So it was really cool. Um, it's just a great experience. It's a at you know Pasa Tiempo is a championship golf course and a phenomenal test. And um, you know this this year we've got you know a stacked field and you know we just got to be ready. It's one thing to play at Riverside over here yeah. and not be on TV. When you know you're on national TV, uh, how do you block that out as such a young competitor? Yeah, no, it's I think it's a lot easier said than done. You know when the cameras all come out and are right on you. It's, you know, you're a little shocked because they get so close. Um, but after a few holes, you know, you just kind of get used to it and try not to think about it very much. And, I mean, then you just kind of get into a groove and, you know, get rolling. So Maybe some of that experience helping, right? You're a, you're a senior with the opportunity mm-hmm. to come back next year, and you said you've already made that decision. Yeah, yeah, planning on coming back. back. And yeah. what, what went into making that decision for you? Um, it just makes sense. You know, I – all across the boards. I won't graduate until next spring anyways. And, you know, college golf is, you know, in my opinion, the best thing out there. And, yet, you know, to have an opportunity to come back and, you know, play one more year and, you know, be around Coach Brockbank and Coach Miller and Coach Summer Hayes, who we just added on, which has been amazing. Um, I just think it's a great opportunity. Yeah, I would think back. of all the sports, um, practicing on a golf course, <laughs> competing on a golf course that's living the dream that the football guys have guys hitting them across the middle basketball's banging down low with the elbows and everything soccer's physical everything but golf yeah you should do that as long as you can yeah especially at the collegiate level because i think i think you've got the sweetest gig on campus yeah i'd i'd have to agree (laughs) i'd have to agree with that (laughs) uh what do you think about the team's chances as as we move forward teams playing good Coming off a good week, you coming off an individual good week. What about BYU golf? You got to go way back to the first national championship with Carl Tucker yeah. as the head coach. Um, been a long time since then. Where's the team? Where's the program heading in toward the last part of the season? Yeah, yeah. You know, we're actually we're we're playing really well right now. We we had a great showing at Stanford. Again, everyone just kind of struggled that final round, but you know, we with with a you know, if we were able to play a good round that final round, we would have had a great chance to win the tournament, and that's one of the biggest tournaments we play in all year. Um, so yeah, I think we're all really excited. We've had you know great qualifying rounds the last two qualifiers, and uh, you know, I think everyone's just kind of starting to kick things into gear and. And uh, you know, kind of get, get getting ready to to make some noise. So hopefully we can we can play well. We mentioned Tiger in the Masters this weekend, but also a, a familiar one here at BYU is Mike Weir. And then you had the opportunity we heard to work out with him recently to, as he prepared for the Masters. What was that like for you? Yeah, it was it was so cool. I've played with Mike a few times, probably you know seven, eight times. But uh, how many this, times you beat him? Um. Be honest. I don't know. Live TV. I don't know. I got him this last time, but I don't. <laughs> nice. think he don't was, remember those. As long yeah. as you got him once. I don't think he was too too concerned because he was <laughs> he was preparing for Augusta. Yeah. But right. Yeah, it was. I mean, it, th- this time was really really cool because he was preparing for Augusta, and uh, you know we walked Riverside, and I was just able to kind of pick his pick his brain for a good four hours, and you know he was 
totally cool about it. You know, it's just an open book wanting to, you know, share his experiences and, and give me advice. And it was like, I mean, it was the coolest thing. I saw an interview he was on with uh, a couple other former uh, Masters champs the other day on the Golf Channel. I think it was. And and uh, one had a glass of wine, one had a glass of wine, and over here was a glass of water. And I did, just kind of stood out to me. Uh, and I thought, what a, what a representative that Mike is at BYU uh, for all these years uh, and, and winning that green jacket. And so an opportunity to golf with a guy that, that, uh, that not only won it, but it's maintained uh, such a great example of what BYU represents, I would think was a pretty cool afternoon for you. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty amazing. And like I said, he's totally cool. And he's, I mean, he's he's a great friend. And, you know, after the round, he, you know, it's just so cool. He's, you know, just tells me any questions you ever have, you know, please call me. And so yeah, he's, he's, he's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, Excellent that's mentor. cool. We, we mentioned Tiger, we mentioned Mike. What are some of the other players you're looking forward to watching, continuing to watch this weekend that you've idolized as you've grown up? Yeah, um, I mean, it's tough. Tiger's the one. Yeah. Tiger's he's the one. Guy. He's he's okay. the one. You know, I I would love to see Rory, um, you know, get hot and, and have a chance to win. But, you know, you, it's Tiger. It's What's Tiger. amazing about Tiger, how old are you? I'm 24 now. 24. So 24. Tiger's 46? So I think he's forty six. Like, yeah, okay. yeah, he is actually. Yeah, we'll off what you he's forty six, yeah. and, and 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 then that's your golf idol. What about the bazillion golfers between Tiger between. and you? Why is it Tiger? He just did so much for the game. Yeah. Like I think that everybody my age and even you know five ten years above me, you know, a big part of the reason they're playing the game is because of Tiger's impact. You know, he came on and golf wasn't really that cool and he came on this right. you know new build this you know athletic big guy and was just sending drives you know yeah. 300 350 yards which was unheard of back then and you know he just he made it cool and i think that you know the game has just benefited tremendously from him the first time and only time i ever interviewed tiger was after he won his first tour event which was in vegas oh yeah uh it's so like 97 uh-huh. or 96 and he made golf cool in Vegas, henceforth. It was a circus whenever the PGA came to town, if he was in the field. Yeah. And uh, he's been able to maintain that. When you're not cheering for your sport here on campus, what team are you pulling for? Volleyball, football. soccer, football? Football, yep. That's where yep. it's at? I, yeah, I'm a big football fan. I've got a bunch of buddies from high school on the team, and I you know, just love watching them play and you know, try to get the respect that they deserve. So. I love it. All right, Carson. We wish you the best at the Western Intercollegiate. Live on the Golf Channel, we'll be looking for you and your teammates. Best of luck. Thank you. Appreciate it. Good to have you here. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. We have had a lot of discussions lately about the transfer portal and for obvious reasons. First and foremost, it's become so prominent in college football and college basketball. And if you're one of those that fall into the camp that you really don't like what it's turned collegiate athletics into, I'm sorry to tell you that it's here to stay and probably will only become even more important. So with that in mind, BYU finds itself on the verge of joining the Big 12 And all athletic programs are right now in the process of trying to upgrade rosters to compete at the highest level in their new home. So the question, Kristen, is, is the transfer portal the 
key for BYU to be ready for the transition to the Big 12? Absolutely. I think hands down it is because you have to level up the depth of talent that you have on your team. BYU right now, one to two stars. They have to increase that depth of talent beyond those one to two stars and get six to seven, right, to be able to compete. I mean, we're going into an an elite conference. If you look alone just at this year, let's just go off basketball in the NCAA tournament. WCC teams, three teams make it this year. For the Big 12, six teams make it. And you have Kansas out of the conference winning the national title. Last year, Baylor won the national title. It's on a whole different ballpark in terms of the level that we are jumping up to across the board with the sports. You know, and, and there's, there's a short-term view of this and then a long-term view. And I think right now, because of the time that BYU has to get ready, I think it makes the transfer portal even more important than it ultimately would be at any normal time. Like, if you have four or five years to get ready for the jump – the transfer portal is still going to be important because it's a way that you can bring talent in. But in that scenario, you have more time to grow the players naturally in terms of bringing them in as a high school player. And obviously at BYU, you have missions that are involved. So it's a little bit longer process. But with such a short turnaround time, I really do think the transfer portal is the key. And it's, it's regardless of whether we're talking football, whether we're talking basketball, you know, both of these programs and all the rest in the athletic department essentially have one more season left. You know, baseball and softball are the only ones that, that are still finishing up their their two seasons left. Once once we get to June, all of the athletic uh, programs in the department are down to their last year in the WCC or in the case of football and independent. So when, when you're trying to find those guys that can help bolster your rosters going into this upgraded conference, I think because of the short time frame, it has to be the transfer portal. Now, ultimately, and I, I've said this uh, the last couple of days as well, ultimately what you hope is if you're utilizing the transfer portal, you know, you're getting guys for more than a season or sure. two. You're maybe getting them a little bit earlier in their career. You're still utilizing the transfer portal, but you're getting more out of them. Right now, though, most of the transfer portal players and the need for them is for a year or two if you can get it. So right now, I, I really do think it is the key. Even if they come in for one year, uh, one year and done, right? But they're starter ready. That's going to help, absolutely help the depth of the roster. I mean, you look at players like Alex Barcelo, who out of high school, he's recruited, goes to Arizona, wasn't happy there, sits on the bench for a couple years, comes to BYU and is absolutely the key player the last couple years for BYU and took them to a different level of competitiveness. In the WCC, he was, he was one of the top guys. A first-team pick on the all-conference team and comes in. And then Tijon Lucas, who, I mean, he went to three different schools to right. finally get to BYU. So there, there's going to be different scenarios and guys that are going to be more of your longevity guys. And, and this is something that Greg Rubel said yesterday in an interview. I think he thought BYU is going after the longevity guys. I think you have to have a mixture of it. Because if you come across a guy that's a good fit to come in and be a one-and-done guy, but he can help you that year, yeah. you're, you're not going to pass on that. Well, and, and look, staying with, with basketball, BYU, and we had Chris Burgess on the show. We ran the soundbite again yesterday. You know, we talked about casting a wide net, and he says, you know, they're looking at 15 to 20 guys in the transfer portal. Now, obviously, you know, you're hoping to get 
two or three. But, I mean, you also have to realize that even though there are a couple of guys that have, have, have put themselves in the transfer portal on the current roster, you know, uh, Hunter Erickson and Nate Hansen and Jeremy Dowdell, you've got guys that are coming back from missions that are going to take some of those spots. So you have Tanner Toulson that's coming back. You have Dallin Hall that's coming back. Richie Saunders coming back to this roster. So you're going to have an influx of guys that have been recruited by this staff that are coming in. But it's, you know... I, I think you're probably looking at, because the two biggest needs are point guard and five, those are going to come out of the transfer portal. And I think that uh, what backs that up, when you see the names of the guys that BYU uh, basketball is being linked to, they're either fives or ones. They're point guards or big men. So I, I think that that's, and again, I said it, if, if this is an aspect of the collegiate sports that you're not a fan of, unfortunately, it's just reality these days, and it's not going anywhere. It is not going anywhere, and you have to embrace it at this point and pull the positive out of it because there's pros and cons to everything. I was talking to Melanie Day yesterday. We were going back and forth on text message, and I, I really wanted to just see what's your opinion of the transfer portal. Do you like it? What? And she said it was hands down the most talked about thing at the Final Four when she went to the Final Four on the women's side. And she just said there's a lot of buzz around it, trying to figure out the systems, trying to figure out how we recruit players and what's the best strategy, what types of players do we go after, and BYU is a little bit more limited, right? Because they're going after a certain targeted audience or a certain targeted athlete, rather. And you have to have a kid that's going to come in that will respect the honor code, that will respect academics, a certain level of academics. And so a little bit more limited. And she just said, it's very interesting because you can spend three to four years recruiting a kid out of high school. Yeah. And you can spend one week and land a kid out of the portal. And she said, it's a lot of work. The portal's a lot of work. But sometimes it can, you know, for that smaller risk of recruiting a kid for a shorter period of time, you can land someone. Well, and the other side of this, Kristen, is, look, it's not just BYU looking at guys to bring in. It's also, you know, people that are on BYU's rosters right now possibly looking for other options. And that's a part of this as well. So, look, and and from the football standpoint, you know, BYU's had players that have entered the portal uh, on the football side, you know, Kalani has, has mentioned this a couple of times. You know, if guys go into the portal, he obviously wants the best for them and helps them. But if it doesn't work out and they want to come back, he'll welcome them back with open arms. So, you know, that, that's a part of this as well. You know, it's, it's just – it is really over the last two or three years, it has become such a pivotal part in roster building. And it's not just recruiting – high school players. It's not just going out and looking for guys in the transfer portal. You you have to recruit your own guys year to year and it's just changed the way coaches recruit because it's it's so prominent now. Well, that's what I love about Kalani is he is the type of coach that's going to welcome these kids back because it's a hard process as an athlete to figure out the best fit for you and sometimes you go to a school and it may not be the best fit. You right. may not be happy. So you think, "Oh, there's grass, the grass is greener on the other side. Let me put my name in the portal." That doesn't mean that you're going to get what you think you're going to get, that you're going to get more heavily recruited out of high school in the portal. Yeah. That's, that's not always how it's going to be, right? And so it's a big risk for these athletes to put their name in there, to be out there in the portal, and it may or may not pay off. We love football. It's a year-round sport here on campus. ESPN senior writer Adam Rittenberg released a college football projection article looking ahead at the best offenses over the next three years. He's got the Cougars ranked 14th on his projections, fourth best in the Big 12, citing Jaron Hall's improvement and the Cougar offensive line as the main reasons. Number 14, is that too high or too low? I think it's right about where I expected. Yeah. You know, as we've talked about this and looked at this, I think there's two areas that stand out. Number one, the offensive coordinator. 
Um, they're finally getting comfortable with him, I think, and what he expects from his offensive players, getting comfortable with plays, things like that. He's got Jaron Hall, who's an experienced guy who's been with him throughout the entire time. And so yeah. he comes in with that leadership, very versatile guy. As long as he can stay healthy, I think Jaron Hall it really can lead them to that next level. And he might also be thinking that Hall, who's a junior, is going to play for two more seasons. Sure. We tend to believe that if he has a great season this year with his age and, and what he wants to do with the NFL, that he will uh, be out of here and take his uh, shot at the NFL draft and, and getting a job playing football. But uh, there are a lot of numbers that his projections are based on, and BYU has been improving certainly with the Zach Wilson year. And then last year they were spectacular as well. Uh, you know, injuries and and uh, especially to Hall there toward the end of the season, uh, kind of left BYU with a bad taste in their mouth coming out of that bowl game. But as we saw during spring camp with Hall completely healthy, uh, optimism is sky high. And here you see some of the numbers used by pro football focus to rank the offense. Well, and one of the things that really I think is so important, Dave, is to allow Jaron Hall to do what he does, you have to have the front line that they have. And coming back this next season, you got 10 guys return with starting experience. The one that you really lose is James Empey, but Connor Pay was one that stepped in and really didn't have a letdown when he did go out, right. got a lot of reps. So not missing a ton there, but they're strong, they're big, they're physical, and just very stacked this year to allow a player who's so dynamic like, like Hall to go to work. We've seen it uh, in a number of programs. If you are stout up front on the offensive line and the defensive line. You have a chance to win all of your games. You don't win them all. It's hard to go undefeated. Uh, but you have a chance to win each game if you can control the line of scrimmage. Uh, an area where BYU hasn't done so well against Utah over the years has been at the line of scrimmage. Yeah. That's where they won the game last September was at the line of scrimmage, running the ball and stopping the run. It opens up everything. Yeah, It really does. You have to have that front line to start. I think the one question mark we were talking about is the run game. Losing Algier, how's that going to affect them? Who's going to step up, take that over 1,600 rushing yards last year, 5.8 yards per carry? That's a loss. That's a question mark that I think in the offense that, that fans and players, I think, need to figure out. Yeah, and that puts the spotlight on Chris Brooks, who's transferred in from Cal. Um, can he be that guy? Can he stay healthy? He's had injuries over his career as well, and he was part of a group of runners at Cal. Uh, even though he was their leading rusher, um, he wasn't there every down back, but he did enough out of the backfield. He caught enough passes out of the backfield where Aaron Roderick said, uh, yeah, you and this offense, this can be spectacular. Um, and it gives BYU a different wrinkle. He's a little bit bigger than Algier. Um, uh, for a long time, Lapini Katoa would come in on a passing situation and, and Algier would leave. Chris Brooks gives you the option of just leaving him in. You know, unless he's dead tired, you leave him in on a, on a running – on third and two is not a passing down necessarily because the same running back is in the game. Sometimes it tips your hand when Katoa is coming in or someone else is coming in. That means they're going to throw the ball on third down. So he gives a little bit of a, uh, a, a, a change to the offense. Um, he had a great spring. Um, again, he's going to run behind that big offensive line like, uh, like you mentioned. And, and Katoa and uh, – Rapati and McChesney and, and all those guys will also be running behind those guys. But you got to fill the shoes of a guy who's the right. all-time single season but We're leader. trending in the right direction. Yeah. I mean, you look at the last two years, 21-4, 84% winning percentage. The depth of talent is starting to increase in terms of volume. And that's what you have to have going into the Big 12. That, that talent has to get better and get deeper. And it's not a matter of bringing in talent. BYU has been able to bring in the talent. Is there enough depth of talent? One thing that's cool about that offensive line, and, and I guess it's kind of a cool thought, but it's a special challenge for Hall, and we talked to him about it during spring practice, is they're tall. Yes. And so and on Hall 6'1", he backs up. He's got to find a lane. 
Now, they're, they're, the defensive line also has to find Hall, but uh, you'll see him moving around so that he can see Pukunakua, Gunnar right. Romney, Dallin Holker, Keanu Hill, all those guys running downfield. And so, you know, you don't have a 6'7 quarterback lining up behind a, a line that's 6'6 six, six and taller. Uh, and so you're going to see Hall moving around a bit, which feeds his skill strength. And it also feeds Conover and Fennigan, the guys that are, that are backing him up. But the size of the line gives a challenge to the defense, and sometimes mm-hmm. it's a challenge for the quarterback who's got to be who's got to find a way to find his guys without staring at the back of a giant helmet who's protecting him. I think he has enough experience, he has enough leadership he's bringing to the table, enough versatility to get the job done and then you combine that like we talked about with that front line that will protect him, give him a little bit extra time to find those guys. I, I really think that 14th pick is right right about where we, I would anticipate. 14th best offense over the next three years in college football. Uh, and there were three teams currently in the Big 12 that were ranked ahead of them, Oklahoma, Texas, and Central Florida, which will also be a newcomer uh, in that group. So uh, that, that's good. That's good. That's a good national perception for a team that uh, has won 10 games uh, last year and, and uh, again, double-digit wins the year before. And moving forward, joining a big league competition level is going to get tougher. Absolutely. Uh, so the offense has to get better. And in this one writer's opinion from ESPN, he sees that happening. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Chris Burgess joining us here in Studio B. Chris, thanks for stopping by. Yeah, thanks for having me. I love stopping by. So uh, let's talk some hoops and let's talk some national championship game uh, last night. Uh, what did you make of the championship game? And I, I have to assume you were probably watching with a, yeah. a, a little more interest, knowing that's a, a future conference opponent. Yeah. yeah. Um, first of all, what a great game. Um, Carolina played, just seemed like a flawless first half after the first few, you know, four, three or four minutes. And then... You know, the, the adjustments that Coach Self and Kansas made were pretty simple, but coming out of halftime, you could tell they were, you know, they were picking up their pressure defensively, and, and they were pushing it offensively. They were just trying to get easy buckets quick and early in transition, and then you could see Caroline just getting a little bit tighter, a little bit tighter after each possession, and then all of a sudden, I don't know how much time was left, but it was a game. It was like zero zero again, and what a fantastic finish. Um, when you're when you're coaching a game like that, and you call a timeout, yeah, and you're on the wrong side of the momentum. And you huddle up the guys. What's going on in the conversation? Yeah. You're looking at every like you're looking at all the guys that are sitting down in the chair. So the five guys are on the floor, and somehow you got to get them to slow down their heart rate first, right? Because <laughs> there's a lot of things they're thinking. There's a lot of distractions. There's a lot of what ifs, and you're trying to control what you control. So trying to get them to think about what matters, right? So whatever the game's telling at the time, if it's you know if it's offensive rebound we're giving up, if it's you know protecting you know having turnovers, protecting the ball, um, is it taking good or bad shots, or are we just missing good shots, right? And so there's just it just depends on what's going on in the game. But the biggest thing is get their heart rates to slow down, right? Get them to come back to the moment and get them to focus on what what matters during that time. I think everybody was just excited it was a good game because you go through yeah. the first half and, you know, North Carolina's dominating that first half. You know Kansas yeah. is going to make a run, but for it to come down to the last shot, I mean, you can't ask for anything uh, better than that. It's awesome, right? Like, I, that's what I kept looking at after every media timeout, so under 16, under 8, under 4, I'm like, this is going down to the wire. Like, and that's what you want as a fan, right? Like, we don't have – like, I, you know, I, I was just cheering for a great game. Um, I was happy for either coach to kind of either win. Um, but like you said, it was like, man, this is a great game. It's coming down to the wire. Like, let's go, right? And so let's get free basketball. Let's get an 
overtime <laughs> game, right? Let's, let's, so it, it was a, it was a fun um, event to be there on Saturday and a fun game to watch with my family last night. On How different is it to watch this as a staff, knowing that uh, that Kansas is the winner this year and last year it was Baylor and, and the Big 12 just keeps getting wow. represented in the Final Four over the last handful of years. And you're joining the league here in a year and a half. Does that make it different? Yeah. When you see Kansas, you're going, oh, is that a senior? Please be a senior when, <laughs> <laughs> when he's pounding it. Yeah, they're just going to keep reloading it for our seniors. No, it just confirms what we, we know as a staff and everyone knows around the country is it's it's the premier and best basketball conference in the country right now. Um, Baylor and Texas Tech and Kansas. And then we as a staff know that, you know, we still got work to do in the WCC this last year, but we're also building towards that uh, Big 12, you know, as far as recruiting in terms of style of play or philosophy. It's just because, you know, it's, it's just it's going to be more difficult, right? There's no there's <laughs> it's it's scary, but it's also super exciting to see see what we can do and see the noise we can make because it's going to it's 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 the Big 12. And yeah. it's so exciting. Well, and it's a perfect segue to what I wanted to ask you next. Look, it Preparing for the now and the future is something coaches do all the time. But how do you balance getting ready and wanting to win games in your final season in the West Coast Conference, but also being ready for what awaits you in the Big 12? Well, we always try to focus on getting better every day. Coaches Pope has always talked about that, right? And we we always focus on we want to win. Like we're recruiting people to win. This place is win. We're hired to do this job to win games. And we feel like – and then the other thing is we want to to continue focusing on uh, player development and having a great locker room. And we feel like we take care of those things – Regardless of what conference we're in, if we're getting better every day, if we're developing our players on and off the court, right, and we're winning basketball games, we feel like we'll be able to transition smoothly, right? And we know we got a lot. As we get there, we're going to have some things to learn. We're going to learn a lot about ourselves as well. But we want to focus on those things, which is like get better every day, right? Develop our players, have a winning locker room, and and, and let's go, right? Let's tip it up. You're at the Final Four. Coach K coaches his final game. You played for Coach yeah. K a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was it like to see him walk off for the final time, a guy who's been so important to the development of college basketball? Shocked. Um, did not think they were going to lose, first of all. Um, was sitting, you know, uh, actually behind the Krzyzewski family with the former player section, and there was just shock amongst us all. And then everyone, when the buzzer ended, you know, they're shooting the free throws. Caleb was shooting the free throws to put him up four points, and it was out of reach. Um, just watched Coach K and, and just the grace he had in terms of walking to the other side of the bench to shake their coach's hand, shake their player's hand, and you're just shocked because when you look, when I looked around, uh, and from Danny Ferry from the '80s, you know, to Jay Williams, Dunleavy, Mike Dunleavy, Shane Batty, is like, man, the brotherhood that he's coached and the lives that he's t- touched. All these guys are here for him. And he's created something super special, not just college basketball, but just in sports. So I'm glad I was there to witness it, but I didn't take my eyes off of him, and I could just feel the shock and sadness, right, amongst his players. And it was like it was like it was a good sadness. It was a sadness of like, man, this guy's done so much for us, right, for our lives and the people we are today. So I was shocked, and I was excited to be there and be a part of that history. Take, take us back a couple more years earlier than that. How did yeah. he close the deal on you to, get to go to Duke? <laughs> um, first of all, he's a great recruiter. Um, his program and the history of, of Duke basketball spoke for itself. Um, being, playing in the ACC, you know, winning in, uh, back-to-back national championships four years earlier in the 91-92 season. Um, and, and he did a, you know, he was recruiting four of us um, at the time, four of us to class of 1997, and he was comparing it to his 91-92 teams. Um, and then I got to go on a recruiting visit and see a game in, in Cameron Indoor Stadium, and it, it was, 
you know, as a Southern California kid, it was something I never experienced, right? Like uh, just the, the, the crazies and the, the smell of just the, the gym, right? And then coaches, um, you know, he's a great, he's a, he's a military guy. He's a leader and his, right. his, the way he motivates and got you excited to be a part of that program. And then, you know, this is before social media where your other recruits or other teammates were, were, were DMing you or texting you. It was nothing for that. But I remember running into playing with Shane Batty and Elton Brand at camps and them, you know, planting seeds of like, let's go do this, right? Let's go, let's go, you know, be the next fab, whatever. And, um, and, but it was an opportunity to play for Coach K. It was an opportunity to play in the ACC. Uh, it was an opportunity to play at Duke and wear the Duke jersey. And honestly, the opportunity I felt like I, I could go to I could go to a Final Four and compete in a national championship every single year. Yeah. And I got to go I got to go to one Final Four and compete for a national championship. Just came up three points short. And you were at the Final Four just the other day. Yeah, yeah I was. I was. Full circle, right? <laughs> yeah. Full circle. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. We know a lot of the teams and coaches and staffs go to the Final Four. I, yeah. I've got to imagine there's a lot of sharing going on or maybe yeah. watching what other people do. What do you take from those experiences and bring back to the BYU program? You know, like, you know, the Final Four is like there's a coaches event from all different levels. Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three, NAIA, and there's so many different like panels and, and clinics that you can go to. There's a ton of networking, connecting, reconnecting, and what I like to do is I like to like I like to go to the clinics. I like to go to the panels. I like going to the coaches that whether assistant coaches, head coaches that I've re- watched a ton. I like to pick their brain, like yeah. defensive philosophies, offensive philosophy, recruiting philosophies, how they're handling like things like the portal, things in high school, the way college basketball is changing, NIL. So there's a ton of things that you just sit and pick their brain and ask questions and then bring everything you can home and discuss it as a staff. What can we take from this? Because if all, let's just say there's six of us from a staff that do that, we can come home, brainstorm, think of ideas we want to we steal, what we learned, and you move forward with that because this game is changing from the NIL, from the portal, um, going to the Big 12, right? And so I think that's the biggest thing is just trying to find, like if I could f- seek out, you know, um, Baylor's coach, Scott Drew, Right or his assistant, right. yeah. and, and and sit down with him or ask a couple questions, like that's invaluable, right? That's invaluable, and so that's what I tried to do. Was there one coach that you wanted to seek out at this, <laughs> and did you, and were you able to do that? There's a bunch of coaches, right? There's a bunch of coaches I want to seek out, but um, I have a ton of respect for the smaller schools as well because they have to win with less. Yeah. So one coach in particular that I uh, sought out was actually Vermont's assistant coach. Vermont goes to the tournament three out of every four years. The Catamounts, um, right? They should, yeah, the, the Catamounts. Catamounts. They, um, they almost beat Arkansas, right, who took, went yeah. to the Swiss Elite Eight. Elite eight. Mm-hmm. And so I sought them out just what they do, right, because they're doing, they're doing so much with less, and it's not just in their conference. So that was one coach. Louisville's assistant sought him out to see what they were doing. Um, but, but if I – like the coaches, for sure, Chris Beard does a great job, right? Of course it's the Big 12. Bill Self was too busy. He didn't want to talk. No. Um, but those are the coaches. Like, honestly, anybody you can see, I'll go to their assistants. They love talking the game. That's what's great about coaches. They love sharing. They love giving back. Um, so, you know, if, if – if, if, and if coaches – the funny thing is I was sitting in front of Howard's head co- – Howard's head coach is a Duke alum, Kenny Blankley. He played on that 91-92 team. And he turned around and was like, we got to do a Zoom. I love you guys' offense. We're going to have two bigs do this. And so – so it's almost like that's exactly what I'm talking about. Like, he's seeking us out, right? So that was pretty cool. And did you say back to him, we need some bigs? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about that now that you're back home and, and it's all about this final season in the WCC and then a long future in the Big 12. As far as the transfer portal goes, how many kids have, uh, has BYU, has your staff uh, been in contact with? 
Um, we've been in contact with a number, um, a number of kids on the portal and, you know, anywhere from 10, probably 15 to 20 guys. And it's, and, and our, our jobs at first is to, you know, reach out, figure out what the kid's doing. Why is he leaving? Yeah. Um, you know, just, just learn about him, his family, his journey, um, talk about our program. And, and then, and then from there we figure out if it's a need and like, if it's a need, if it's a fit, um, we know we, we know the positions we need, right? We got we got to add some depth, and we got to add a couple of players that were losing some really good players. Obviously, Alex and Tijon, and, and those guys were losing, so we got to replace that. And so we're reaching out, we're doing our work on the portal. We're trying to make sure that we chase the guys that we think can not just help us next year, but help us moving forward in the Big Twelve as well. What reaction are you getting, knowing that they know you're going into the toughest league in college? Um, there's excitement, right? Like there's sometimes it's like, oh, you guys are going to the Big Twelve, right? There's some people that um, they even forgot about it, or they, they didn't know, right? Because if but um, there's excitement. There's excitement. The opportunity to play against the best basketball, um, best basketball conference in the country. So it's different than last year for sure. Yeah. Um, the calls that were received, uh, calls that were that they're actually taking and texting back is different. Yeah. Um, but it's it's a process, and you it's it's a it's a lot of work, right? Because it's a lot of work to make sure it's a right fit. What about some of the guys coming back? And obviously, you know, a lot of focus is going to be on guys like Caleb mm-hmm. and Foose and Atiki. What can you say to guys? That, that watched this season and saw the development yeah. of those guys as the season went on. What do you expect from those guys moving into next year? Yeah, I mean, we got a good core um, in, the, in the development and progress that um, Atiki, Foos made. And I thought Caleb had a great last four or five weeks um, just in terms of playing more free. Yeah. Um, it was fun to watch him. So, you know, what we can take that is, you know, what we're doing right now as a staff is we're trying to find – three off-season things for each player and how they can grow to you know, develop. And we're trying to be super specific about it, um, both offensively and defensively. And so we're giving these guys a plan, some goals, improvements, and then we're, we're showing film, right? We're backing it up with the numbers. We're doing it. We'll eventually get on the court and do it. And when they're playing pickup, if they're playing two and two and three and three, we have things for them to focus on, whether it's decision-making, whether it's switching one through five, right, and, and lateral quickness, whether it's finishes at the rim. Um, and then they, all of them have a plan shooting-wise um, with the three ball, right? And, and we've got, you know, we have unbelievable resources in the annex facility uh, with the noalytics and the shot tracker that, you know, they're gonna have, we're, we're educating them on that and, we're, and they're going to have specific goals in terms of shots, um, how many shots they take. And so, you know, it's a big deal for us. It's a big off season for us. But uh, the biggest thing is we have a ton of film and a ton of data that we can use moving forward to, to, to discuss those few things we need to work on. What have guys like uh, Barcelo and Lucas, even Matt Harms, even Cody Fieger, uh, guys who are uh, here and have thrived at BYU, uh, not a member of the dominant faith. Yeah. What has that done for the rest of America looking at BYU going, is that a church school or is yeah. that a school I can go and, and, uh, and, and thrive, play basketball, yeah. live my religion, and grow and be a better person? Yeah, you know, it's a great question, and it's something that, you know, we, we want the best players that can help us win basketball games but also represent what this university is. Right. And, and we weed those guys out pretty quick during the recruiting process. And everyone, for the most part, that we take understand um, the sacrifices all of our guys make, regardless of their denominations, the sacrifices they need to make um, on the court, off the court to be successful here. And you get guys like Barcelo that, you know, want that. They're craving that. They're craving that discipline. They're craving that sacrifice because it's what he it's who he is. Right. Like he wants to be on the court. 
uh, you know, 20 of 24 hours, right? And so if he can play along a group of guys that have the same mentality where to block out the distractions and the noise and the things outside of what's not going to make you better. And so we're, 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 we're searching for those guys. I remember right? Matt Harm saying that, uh, what? I got to... I live in the honor code so I can play basketball for the year I'm going to be there. I can do that. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And so that's that's another reason we do like the transfer portal because when you're talking to sophomores or juniors um, that have done two or three years in college, they understand what matters and what's important and how to get better. And that's, I think, the biggest thing is like if, you, if you're a person that we're talking to, well, we're going to know right away if you want to get better every day. Right. And so we, we, we use the honor code and we use the, what this place represents to our, to our advantage. And we find guys that are completely locked in and want to be a part of something super special. Last thing before we let you go, and you mentioned uh, Alex Barcelo. And I realize it's still early in the process. There's still a lot of feedback that would come in. What, what's, what's he hearing right now in terms yeah. of his future? Um, first of all, he had a great career here. He was awesome in New Orleans in that three-on-three and as well as the Reese's uh, Senior All-Star game. Um, Alex is getting great feedback, um, you know, in terms of workouts with NBA teams um, and interest there. He knows he's going to have to have a great um, – couple weeks leading up to Portsmouth Invitational, the senior game there in Virginia, and hopefully get an invite to the NBA Combine and camp because he'll, he'll test really well. He's going to be in shape. Um, he's one of the best shooters in the draft, right? It's just a matter of him. Honestly, there's, you got to find the right team. Yep. And if you do go on draft, you still got to find the right team that you're going to have an opportunity to play. At the end of the day, like, Alex is getting great feedback where he's going to be able to play this game of basketball at somewhere, some level, and, and make money make money doing it and from personal experience there's nothing better in the world than continue to stay in shape play the game you love and be able to provide for your family at the final four did you look around for a moment and say you know what i am the tallest assistant coach in college basketball <laughs> i i did I, I did there was there was only like one i think i did you're right i'm the tallest one especially so you, got, those you get that going for you that's yeah, nice that's right. that's things right. that dave and i will never be able to say no. in any company that we keep we're the tallest no but we'll <laughs> ask you questions all the time yeah, that's, that's right that thing we can do chris you're one of our favorites always appreciate, appreciate you stopping it. by thanks for the insight great to talk with you appreciate of course. it thanks you guys you guys are the best there we go chris burgess assistant basketball coach for the byu cougars join the conversation 24 7 on twitter instagram and facebook using the hashtag byusn the best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Welcome. Barry Trammell from the Oklahoman in town. Checking out Provo for the very first time. Welcome. Well, thanks, guys. I've been uh, been here two two days in Provo and three days in Utah, and really enjoyed it. What do you think? What's what about Provo? What's how different is Provo from the great state of Oklahoma? Um, you got these big rock things that go high <laughs> into the sky, and I'm trying to figure out what they are. Uh, we don't have mountains like this in Oklahoma, so uh, it's fun, and the setting is just gorgeous. You know, I've seen you know Lavelle Edwards Stadium from television, and the great view and the setting. But to be here and drive through the valley and you know, drive around town. It's, it's uh, just a fabulous setting. You're here with your wife and uh, able to see some of those sites. We did want to ask you, though, some of the big news in the conference is a new commissioner. So with Bob Bowlesley being uh, released or stepping down, what is your take on that and, and how that all proceeded? Well, you know, Bob's been, Bob's 70 years old. He's been on the job 10 years and it's been a tumultuous 10 years. Um, you know, just in the last two years, we've had COVID hit and, you know, decimate everyone's athletic budget wiped out uh, a uh, virtual year of, of, uh, of normalcy in terms of scheduling and those things. And on top of that, Oklahoma and Texas, you know, last summer, you know, uh, hightail it out of the conference or say they're going to. 
and really put the Big 12 in risk and um, for poaching and perhaps even dissolution. So uh, Bowlesby did a great job putting it back together, you know, getting people rallied, saying, hey, we can, we can not only survive, we can prosper. Got four great candidates. Um, not exactly the four I would have picked, but BYU has always been at the top of my list for, right. for coming into the Big 12. And, um, you know, Cincinnati's a, a good addition. Central Florida's a good addition. Uh, Houston's going to be good. So it's going to be great. And, um, but he, he was able to sort of rally that around. And then, uh, you know, now he's 70, and he's, he said, I've got three years left on my contract, and I'm not going to extend it past then. And he told the presidents in, the, in recent weeks, you know, this is going to be it for me. If you want to plan for the future, now's the time to start talking about it. And they just came to the decision, let's just start looking for a successor. And he may be, you know, they may find it in a month. They may find it in two years. But he's going to be around to help the transition. What kind of person do they need heading into a new TV deal? Uh, Oklahoma and Texas leaving. Will they leave earlier if there's a commissioner a little more friendly and less offended on how it all shook down? What, what do you see the next two years for this new commissioner and then beyond? Well, the number one thing for any commissioner is is to be savvy with the media rights. You know, the Big 12 uh, contract comes up in 24. They'll per, going forward, you know, a vital interest to BYU and everybody else is is how that goes down. It's a new age. You guys know more about television than I do, but it's a new age with the streaming, with uh, a lot of different new people coming in. You know, Amazon is is broadcasting the NFL now, right. so you know. Anything could happen. But uh, being very aware and, and uh, proactive on that front is number one. And number two is being, uh, you know, sort of a, a facilitator among the schools, keeping people together. Uh, we thought Bowlesby was doing that. Um, you know, the OU Texas thing blindsided him as much as everybody. People say, uh, you know, it's his job to know OU and Texas were leaving. And uh, that's true. It was also sort of my job to know it, and I didn't know it, so I'm not going to be too hard on him. Right. So, uh, you know, it, it, was a, it, was a tough, it was a tough two years, tough ten years, and I think overall he's done a very good job. He's, the Big 12 is, is in good shape, and that hasn't, wasn't the truth ten years ago when he took over. Uh, the Big 12 is not as financially strong or status strong as the SEC or the Big 10, but it's at least on par with the Pac-12 and the, uh, and the ACC. And that would have been hard to believe 10 years ago. So he deserves a lot of credit for that. He's 70. He's got 10 grandkids. He said the other day he's never taken more than one week off at a time wow. in his life. So he's, he's ready to do that. He's yeah. due, for sure. Uh, how do you like the new Big 12? And you've always been an advocate for BYU, but what's your take on the teams coming in and the changes? Well, I like it uh, because of a couple things. One, the variety. Um, you know, there's not a whole lot of similarities between Brigham Young and the University of Houston. Um, but variety is the spice of life. I, I sort of enjoy that. Uh, and and, and it, it seems like somebody's looking out for the Big 12 because just in the last year or two, I mean, you look at Cincinnati made the college football playoff. Yeah. Houston made the Final Four and almost made it again. Um, Brigham Young's with the football renaissance, you know, had two great years in a row. And uh, Kalani seems to really have things on the upswing. So it's perfect timing. And uh, the thing I like about it on the football side is – I had this discussion with Mike Gundy the other day, and he said we're talking about divisional play and how we split the divisions. He said, I I just want it to be fair. I want the same amount of good teams in each division. I said, well, Mike, who are going to be the good teams? I mean, we don't know who's going to be dominant. Right. Well, you know, Alabama's not in the Big 12, you know, and 
Is it, is it going to be Oklahoma State and Baylor, who actually played for the Big 12 title? Is it going to be Cincinnati and Brigham Young, who are going to be the best teams? We don't really know. And to me, that's exciting because college football often is plagued by sameness. Yeah. Same teams year after year win the conferences. You know, and, and Oklahoma won six in a row in the Big 12. Clemson run, won six in a row in the ACC. Uh, Ohio State dominates the, the Big Ten. Alabama generally dominates the SEC. Uh, and Pac-12 has been about the only place where you find much parity. I think parity is going to be great. And if, if we go into every season not knowing who's going to win the league, that's a good thing. You bet. Barry Trammell from the Oklahoma Outstanding Writer. Uh, do you really believe that when the Big 12 schedule comes out in October, which will include BYU and the three new teams, that Texas and Oklahoma will still be in that? Yes. I actually think – no, I, Texas wants to go yesterday. Right. Texas is ready to go. Texas is different than the rest of us. They got the money to just write a check and do whatever they want to. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rest of the world's not that way. Certainly Oklahoma's not that way. You know, they, just like everybody else, they took a big hit in COVID. Yeah. Uh, 20 or so, $25 million budget deficit because of COVID. So it's not, you know, despite their incredible tradition, despite their incredible success, they don't have massive piles of cash laying around. So they're not ready to write an $80 million you know, cashier's check. So uh, on top of that, Lincoln Riley up and bolted for Southern Cal. People got mad at him, uh, to which I said, you know, you guys left Big 12 and bolted. Why can't Lincoln Riley, you know, bolt? I saw his house, and it made enough yeah. sense to well, me. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, if he only had a view, if he, if he just had a view. Right. But um, – but Lincoln Riley's out. Brent Venables is in, and OU, frankly, OU football is undergoing a culture change. Right? Uh, they not. They may not try to win a bunch of Heisman trophies with their quarterback. But I think they're going to try to start tackling people, and uh, it's going to take Brent Venables a, a few years to get this new defensive mentality set. I think OU is okay with staying in the Big Twelve for another couple, three years until Brent gets his program up and running. And is more SEC, you know, level. So I think I think you'll see the Sooners and the Longhorns in 23 and probably 24. Good. So Good. I uh, I think uh, the masterminds at the Big 12 will determine what's the toughest schedule they could give OU in Texas, and if that includes a trip to Provo, they'll be here. <laughs> Coming to Provo. Good. You mentioned Mike Gunny just a, a few moments ago as we were talking about that, and then Texas, Oklahoma leaving eventually. We're not sure when to the SEC, but. What are your thoughts? Gundy brought up that there might be more, more expansion. What's your thoughts on the expansion of more? Yeah, I actually was intrigued by that because I really hadn't heard that other than Bob Bowlesby mentioned it in passing when uh, when the four new schools were uh, uh, introduced in September. And he said, you know, eventually we could expand. I hadn't heard any follow-up on that, and then Gundy brings it out of the blue. I wouldn't put a ton of of uh, stock in that because while Gundy is fascinating and interesting, he generally just talks off the top of his head. He's not really an insider. He doesn't want to be. He just sometimes just talks. But if the Big 12 did go to 14, the the one issue for me is I can find them a 13th team. Doesn't take me very long. I can't find the 14th. I think Boise State would be a really good addition to the Big 12. I don't know who the 14th team would be. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know another school that's uh, – of course, there's not any Brigham Youngs out there n- n- left on the, on the market um, or, or even a Cincinnati or Central, or Central Florida. But, you know, I like B- Boise State's potential, but beyond that, 
to me, it's I don't see it. Considering where BYU is now in moving into the Big 12, and go back 10 years, 11 years, when they left the Mountain West to become independent. Back then, did you think they were doing the right thing? And now over the long term with the result they're getting, did they do the right thing? I, I was curious about it uh, 10 years ago, 11 years ago when it happened. Um, I sort of... I sort of understand BYU's mission and and you know how BYU is so different from any other school. So I under I didn't I didn't pass judgment. I just I wondered what the play was. It's turned out to be uh, a, a, an excellent move. Uh, I know it was also uh, troubled. I mean I know it was it created some rocky situations. I know it's not ideal, um, but I also know that you know the the Mountain West then and. The Mountain West, frankly, has has sort of found its footing a little bit in this 10 years and, and has done better. But the Mountain West, especially with Utah leaving, was not a good – that was not a good uh, situation for BYU. I understood that. Independence is not is not ideal. Nobody really wants to be independent other than Notre Dame. Um, in the old days, all kinds of people were independent. But it's not really viable today and – uh, Brigham, I tell you, Brigham Young finding or landing in the West Coast Conference for its other sports. Huge. To me, that was the key, yeah. more than football. Because if you got a 65,000-seat stadium and you fill it, in football, you know, some things go up, some things go down, but you're going to be okay. But those other sports, and the West Coast Conference has actually gotten really, you know, fairly prominent on that level with Gonzaga basketball and a lot of, a lot of the other sports. So... To me, the WCC is is what really sort of made this thing salvageable for BYU sports over the last decade. And and like I said, in the in the ten years, Brigham Young's done very well. You know, uh, Kalani's been you know such a uh, a great thing for BYU. I got to meet him for the first time yesterday. What'd you think? I was well. Guy. I've been impressed with him before. Liked him just <laughs> on the television, but you know, blown away uh, by his authentic authenticity, um, his humanity. It uh, just seems to be the you know the real deal. You know anybody can fool you, but if if Kalani ends up fooling me, I'll be surprised. Now over the next handful of years, you mentioned this is your first trip to Provo, and we can finish up on this one. Uh, uh, we're gonna have a lot of Big Twelve fans come to Provo for the very first time, uh, just like you. What uh, what do they have in store? What do you anticipate uh, folks following their team to Provo for the very first time and and taking a look around and going? Uh, we're really glad they're in the league, or or what? Well, th- people are going to be thrilled. Um, you know, I was telling the guys the other day, uh, in the old Big 12, we had a mountain town, Boulder, Colorado. Yeah. And everybody liked going to Boulder because it was so different, and it was a cool setting, and Folsom Fields, a historic old stadium set up against a hill. And then Colorado left. A year later, we get West Virginia, so we got our mountain fix. Now we're going to have two mountain towns. We're going to have two mountain settings. Uh, it's different, you know, that's the Appalachians over there. And now uh, coming to the Rockies, it's just a glorious setting. When people, uh, I assume they'll fly into Salt Lake and, and drive, uh, drive down, it's going to be, it's going to be great. And uh, they're going to be stunned at, uh, at Provo and the setting. You know, we, we see it on television, but, you know, the, uh, the mountains uh, overlooking Lavelle Edwards Stadium. And I tell you, I think they're going to be, they're going to be thrilled with the atmosphere and, you know, one of the things about BYU I appreciate is you sort of know what you're going to get with the fans. Um, you know, I've never been to a BYU home game, but I'm pretty sure I could bring my 
you know, my nine-year-old granddaughter, and not really have to worry about too yep. much. Uh, I'll be going to Auburn, Alabama here soon. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to take my nine-year-old granddaughter to Auburn, <laughs> Alabama, if you know what I mean. So yeah. I think people are going to really enjoy it and enjoy the environment and the culture. Um, you know, uh, somebody, somebody on campus yesterday, uh, or, or maybe somebody in town told me, you know, we don't have a ton of religious schools in the Big 12. Baylor, um, TCU even isn't really a right. religious school anymore. Uh, but we do have a lot of religious people. Um, and it's sort of what Oklahoma and Texas sort of hangs its hat on. So I think they're going to feel comfortable when they come here. And I think they're going to enjoy the football and um, all the other sports that Brigham Young uh, s- uh, supplies. And like I said, it's just the setting is so different. You know, when, when West Virginia got in, we're goofy. We don't know anything about geography. We didn't even know you flew into Pittsburgh to get to West Virginia. We didn't even know Pittsburgh was a great city. Now, if, if you've never been to Pittsburgh, it's breathtaking. And going to Pittsburgh is fabulous. So going to West Virginia is a highlight for a lot of Big 12 fans. Flying to Pittsburgh, enjoy the city, drive down the mountains to, to Morgantown. I think the same thing's going to happen with BYU. Once you put uh, your weekend visit down on paper, where can folks find it and read about it? Well, I'm at theoklahoman.com. And um, I'm going to do a series on Brigham Young. Don't have it scheduled. It won't be this coming week, but eventually. But I also write a travel blog everywhere I go. And um, I've, had, I've gotten two posted already on, on Salt Lake. Uh, got to sit down and write my first Provo, but I'll have two or three on Provo. So Oklahoman.com. And uh, you can you know, try to keep up with the Big 12 as, as much as possible. But like I said, I'm no expert. I didn't even see OU in Texas coming. Look, Bob Bowlesby on his visit here was presented with a cougar tail and couldn't finish it. You don't, no pressure. You don't have to finish that thing either. But uh, I imagine that might be on your menu before the day's done. Yes. Yeah, good luck with you that. Try one. I'll, I will do it. Yeah, will Barry do it. Trammell, the Oklahoman. Thank you. And uh, again, welcome to Provo. And we'll see you back here in a, a season or two. Hopefully in 23. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The Athletics' Dane Brugler lists Tyler Algier as the fourth best available running back in the NFL draft. Will Algier be the fourth back off the board at the NFL draft? I, I love what he's done. I like the stat that he's put out in the rankings right behind a back from Michigan State, Iowa State, and Texas A&M. That play against Arizona State shows me Algier's got the speed, the heart, the toughness to get into a uh, nice draft selection somewhere in the top four rounds. So this is great momentum for Tyler, uh, projected to be in the third or fourth round. I agree with that. I think he's going to be just above James Cook. They have him right now, Georgia. And I I think he's versatile enough. I think he's strong enough, powerful enough, and he'll be right there. Gonzaga's Drew Timmy announces his entrance into the NBA draft. Is this a reason to be uh, excited for BYU's final WCC season? Excited for BYU fans, for sure. He averaged 21.5 points per game against BYU, and so they do not want to play Timmy anymore. This is an exciting time. I think, obviously, Gonzaga is going to replace him pretty quickly, I anticipate. Last year, he made 19 of 24 shots against BYU. So, yeah, and he can take Chet Holmgren with him. They'll uh, they'll reload as they always do, but these two might be just a little bit tougher to replace for Gonzaga. Absolutely. After a series opening, 5-1 to one win over Santa Clara, what's the chance? The baseball team sweeps the weekend series against the Broncos. Well, the Cougars are 0-2 in series in the league, so a chance tonight to win the series, that's priority. So just win tonight. 
And then we'll deal with tomorrow, okay. tomorrow. Dave, don't go coach on me. It's like that me. Bob Seger song we got tonight. Yeah. Don't don't coach talk on me. They're going to sweep <laughs> the series. We're going with BYU on this one. Love your attitude. We'll see you tonight on the call. This is a big one for them. Across the field. Violet Zavodnik leading the WCC with 35 runs batted in. The over-under, 2.5 RBI for Zavodnik tonight as BYU hosts LMU and the league's best pitcher. Well, she leads the league in home runs, RBI. Batting average, although she's going against one of the best pitchers in the league, right. if not the best pitcher, in Jenna Perez from LMU. So power versus power. I think I'm going to go with BYU power in this one, and I think that she's going to be over. Zavodnik learns as she goes along, so... Her first two at-bats might not yeah. go so great, but before she's done, her bat will do the talking, and I agree. Zavodnik's going to have a big series in the biggest, what might be the biggest series in the entire WCC, and it comes real early yeah. in league play. It'll be a tough one. Tiger Woods returned for his first competitive round of golf to the Masters yesterday after 17 months after his car accident and rehab to shoot one under par for his opening round. What's the best BYU comeback story you can think of? He was fun to watch yes. and, and awesome and hard to believe he hadn't been in a competitive tournament for so long and shows up and shoots one under par at the Masters. Um, and that got us thinking. We had a pretty good conversation. But the, Taysom Hill jumps off the page Always, here for right? me because he had three comebacks. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and and he, he just kept coming back. But there are others. Cassidy, Cassidy Smith, goalie for the women's soccer team. Phenomenal story. And women's hoops got a long history right. of comeback players. I do a lot with the women's side. Yeah. And so Haley Hall-Steed was the first one I thought of. She's the assist leader at BYU and sixth-year senior by the time she was done. That was without the COVID freebie eligibility year. Hey, and Kyle Collinsworth had to come back from an ACL, and all he hit, did was get uh, double-doubles, double, double sometimes triple-doubles. Yes. Uh, and the list could go on and on as you stop and think about the BYU Cougars that have had to come back from injuries. Um Congrats to Tiger, and congrats to all those Cougars who kept battling. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific, on BYU TV and BYU Radio.